Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Good morning, overwhelmingly Omicron. Health officials announcing the new COVID strain now accounts for 98% of all cases in the U.S. The head of the FDA putting it bluntly. Most people are going to get COVID. This morning, living with this new reality and the CDC considering changing its own guidance to recommend all Americans wear higher quality masks. We've got everything you need to know. Call to action. The president puts the battle over voting rights front and center and calls out lawmakers. I've been having these quiet conversations with members of Congress for the last two months. I'm tired of being quiet. His challenge and stern warning to both parties, but does he have the votes to back it up? Our report straight ahead. Bundle up. Millions across the East waking up to another morning of frigid temperatures. This is voodoo out here. Just ahead, what people are doing to cope. And Al already tracking the next blast of Arctic air and a major cross-country winter storm. Unanswered questions. The search for what caused beloved actor Bob Saget's sudden death. This morning, what he recently revealed about his own health. And a first look at his final stand-up performance just hours before his passing. Those stories plus unforced errors. Novak Djokovic admits knowing he had COVID while attending a high-profile interview and blames his agent for misleading Australian officials ahead of his arrival. Will that new candor be enough to get him back on the court? And a league of her own. The Yankees named the first female manager in minor league history. Inside, the groundbreaking move that's changing the face of the national pastime. Today, Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to you today. It's Wednesday morning. We're so glad to have you along with us. I'm working from home again. Hoda's holding it down in the fort I got of your Studio chair. 1A. I got your chair waiting right here for you, SG. Uh, when you get back, we do have a lot to get to, and we're starting with major headlines in the pandemic. New numbers out overnight show just how fast this Omicron virus has spread across the country. It's easily become the dominant strain of COVID. It happened in a matter of weeks. Absolutely, that rapid surge leading to new confusion, once again over masks, and the possibility now of new and upgraded guidelines about masks from the CDC. Meantime, on the testing front, the White House announcing just hours ago new efforts to keep kids in school by sending out millions of rapid and PCR tests. And all of this coming amid a tense showdown on Capitol Hill where things got personal between lawmakers and Dr. Anthony Fauci. NBC's Tom Costello's got it all covered for us. Tom, good morning. Yeah, good morning. A lot of scrutiny on the White House and the CDC over the shortage of tests, over confusing messaging. This morning, word that the administration is going to start shipping test kits to schools nationwide. And the CDC, as you said, expected to urge all Americans to upgrade our masks as Omicron is spreading unchecked across the country. 
Overnight, new data showing the highly contagious Omicron variant now makes up almost all new COVID cases in the U.S., a staggering 98%. It happened at lightning speed, too, spreading in just over one month. With COVID cases surging and hospitalizations hitting all-time highs, the CDC is now considering whether to update its own mask guidance, potentially recommending Americans choose higher quality options, like N95s or the Chinese-made KN95. They are really, really tight-fitting, and they, and they help filter out very small airborne droplets of COVID. The typical surgical mask provides decent protection, but doesn't seal tightly around the nose and mouth. The Biden administration also taking a big step to keep kids in school, announcing this morning it will hand out 5 million rapid COVID tests and another 5 million lab-based PCR tests to schools nationwide every month for free. Meanwhile, the nation's top health officials faced a grilling on Capitol Hill. Tuesday's testimony punctuated by this very concerning message. Most people are going to get COVID. The experts were blasted over their mixed messaging and criticized for their confusing changes in guidelines. The American people are right to be confused. It seems like you all don't talk amongst yourself. Lawmakers also demanded answers over the critical test shortage. Our frustrated constituents cannot find rapid tests. A contentious hearing that turned personal at times. You are totally incorrect. Dr. Fauci clashing with Republican Senator Roger Marshall and later heard on a hot mic. What a moron. Senator Rand Paul and Fauci also sparring again. You're not an objective scientist. You, you've lost that long ago. Fauci accused a Kentucky Republican of putting him, Fauci, in danger, citing a case last month of an armed man arrested with a hit list. The police asked him where he was going, and he was going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Fauci. Tom, uh, just to go back to this mask and potential, potentially new guidance from the CDC on better masks, there are also concerns about fake ones appearing online. How do you make sure you're not getting a bad one? Yeah, you got to do your homework. The CDC is warning, in fact, that about 60% of the KN95s, those are the masks that are made in, in China, rather, that they, 60% are counterfeit. So when buying an N95, that's the American-made, look for the stamp that says NIOSH. That certifies from the, from the government. There's also a nonprofit project. It's called ProjectN95.org, a great website which links to certified and vetted masks. But it can be confusing. Listen, you've got an N95. This is also an N95. This is called a, a KN95. There's also something called the KF94 made in Korea. You've got to do your homework to make sure you get something that's vetted and certified. Oh, just adding mm -hmm. to the confusion there, Tom. Thank you very much yeah. for trying to clear it up. Appreciate it. You bet. Meantime, the battle over voting rights is intensifying in the wake of a major speech from President Biden. The president declaring he is tired of being quiet on the issue, throwing his full support behind changing Senate rules, if that's what it takes to pass new legislation. NBC senior White House correspondent Kelly O'Donnell has more on all this. Hey, Kelly, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. The president is going big on this issue, but he can only persuade. He has no direct power to change voting rights laws or the rules of the Senate. Now, these bills would guard against states enacting discriminatory practices and would nationalize rules for things like early voting and mail-in ballots. The president says protecting the country's democracy is his job. Let's go get this done. 
This morning, President Biden is defining a stark choice for senators as pressure builds to expand voting rights. Do you want to be the side, the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? This is the moment to decide to defend our elections, to defend our democracy. As early as today, Senate Democrats are expected to again try to pass voting rights protections. But their slim majority is short of the 60 votes needed to overcome a Republican Senate filibuster. Republican Mitt Romney called the president's message divisive. He charged that voting against his bill allies us with Bull Connor, George Wallace, and Jefferson Davis. So much for unifying the country. The president, who for decades backed the long-standing filibuster rule, says he supports a limited change and has been urging lawmakers to act. I've been having these quiet conversations with the members of Congress for the last two months. I'm tired of being quiet. The president focused his argument through the lens of history, visiting the seat of the civil rights movement in Atlanta with the vice president placing a wreath at the burial place of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. While some civil rights advocates have grown impatient with Mr. Biden. The reality is we still have no plan to get to 60 votes or 50 votes with the filibuster carve out. Georgia's Stacey Abrams did not attend, citing scheduling. The NAACP's national president reacted, it's time for this administration to match their words with actions. Asked if he has the votes when he stopped at Dr. King's Ebenezer Baptist Church, the president said. All right, so that does bring up that big question. I mean, President Biden does want to change that Senate rule to get that uh, voting rights agenda passed. But there is the question, does he have the support? It doesn't look like it right now. So Senate Democrats say what they've got to do is up the pressure by forcing votes to show where senators stand. Now, names we've heard often, Democrats Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema, they oppose changing Senate rules. And there may be other Democrats who do too. And we know all Republicans are against it. Now, when we're talking about the filibuster, that was meant to encourage consensus by going beyond a simple majority. But critics say it has been abused. So the next few days will be critical and expect this to debate to be intense. I know you'll, you'll have your eye on that one, Kelly. Oh, thank you so much. And another reminder, Craig will be sitting down exclusively with Vice President Harris. We will have their wide-ranging conversation for you tomorrow on Today. All right, let's turn now to the bitter cold that millions of us are feeling this morning. Folks all across the Northeast waking up to another morning of unusually frigid temperatures and downright dangerous wind chills. The next blast of Arctic air and a new round of snow could be on the way. Al's got the answers in just a moment. But first, NBC's Stephanie Gosk, she's freezing again for us this morning. She's in chilly Bryant Park in Midtown Manhattan. Hi, Steph. Morning. Hey, good morning, Samantha. According to a meteorologist in Massachusetts, this cold has come from the, quote, far reaches of the planet, which sounds a little dramatic, but honestly, if you've had to do anything outside the last couple of days, it has sort of felt that way. Later on in the day, there, the temperatures will rebound a little bit, but for now, that Arctic air has a firm grasp. Across the Northeast, an Arctic blast for the record books. It's cold, cold. This is voodoo out here. The coldest air in years gripping the region, bringing bone-chilling temperatures and sub-zero wind chills Tuesday. Coming out here and it's 
single digits even in the middle of the day. Crazy. Enough to suspend a fork full of spaghetti in midair on top of Mount Washington and create this ice disc in a river in Maine. Even in Portland, a city known for its brutal winters, this cold felt particularly chilly. It's kind of got that next level cold feeling, honestly. I got some extra layers on. Throughout New England, folks bundling up to brave the bitter cold. New England layers, right? How often do I get to wear my double line mittens? In Massachusetts, snow and wind created a wintry mess across Cape Cod and dangerous travel conditions on the roads. Meanwhile, in Cambridge, students at an elementary school were forced to evacuate in single-digit temperatures after a small fire broke out in the building. Police and fire crews rushing in to quickly put out the flames. Meantime, in New York City, the air cold enough to freeze this fountain. New Yorkers powered through the day amid freezing temperatures, the coldest daytime high the city has seen in nearly three years. Masks during a pandemic, pulling double duty. This week I started wearing the N95, but if you wear the cloth one over it, I feel like I'm protecting and my face is warm. As I mentioned, those temperatures are going to go up, but it's going to be a painfully short reprieve because then they're going to dive again and then the snow comes and it just keeps circling all around. Savannah, back to you. <laughs> And you're always in the middle of it. Stephanie, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. I love that optimistic woman who said, look, I get, I get to wear two pairs of my warm mittens. I love that. But it's a good, <laughs> it's a perfect time to say good morning to Mr. Roker. This sounds like it's going to be a long haul. Yeah, it is. But you know, look, it's winter. We're going to get through it together. So here's how we start off. Okay, right now, wind chill of 23 in Buffalo, 29 in Cincinnati, minus 24 caribou. Feels like two above in Boston. The good news is temperatures rising. New York City today will get to 41, 46 in D.C. Indianapolis 43, Ames, Iowa up to 46 degrees. That's 17 degrees above average. And then we drop back down again. By Saturday it's 14 in Boston, 20 in New York City. Cleveland, you'll be at 21, 23 degrees in Chicago on Saturday. Now this next storm that we're tracking comes out of Canada and it pushes down Friday bringing snow to the plains into the Midwest. We're talking from the the Dakotas all the way down into Iowa about six maybe even eight inches of snow then Saturday dives into the Gulf picks up moisture makes its way up into the Appalachians and then pushes through into the southeast bringing heavy snow potentially from Knoxville Roanoke Charleston rain along the coast and then makes its way on Monday up the coast bringing snow inland if it takes this track we've got two potential tracks if it's right along the coast heaviest snow is going to be in the inland cities from Roanoke Pittsburgh Albany New York up into Boston. But if it moves a little further offshore, that move, that snow moves east and it's all along the I-95 corridor. So guys, we're going to continue to track this, but it's going to be an interesting next several days. Oh yeah, you'll have your eye on that. Mr. Roker, all right, it is 714. Good time to say hello to Craig. You got an incredible story of survival. Yeah, Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. A medical helicopter carrying an infant and three others crashed in a busy residential neighborhood but here's the thing. Everyone on board made it out alive. A remarkable story this morning. NBC's national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez uh, joins us with it. Gabe, good morning to you. Now, hey, Craig, good morning. Just about everyone who saw this happen is calling it a miracle, crediting the pilot with a heroic landing. This morning, the NTSB is investigating why this medical helicopter crashed Tuesday in a residential neighborhood just west of Philadelphia. But what's truly remarkable is that everyone on board, including a two-month-old baby girl, survived. It was absolutely insane. I've never seen anything like this. I literally see, see the chopper in the sky, like right there. 
And so I'm, I'm stopped. But then there was a moment where I realized this is going to hit the ground. So that's when I pulled in the reverse. This man was driving his family and says he barely missed the aircraft. This is absolutely a miracle from the Lord. A miracle, witnesses say, right next to a church. It's an absolute miracle here, what you see behind you, how this, and there's no debris, no wires down, no trees. The chopper had been flying to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, carrying two crew members, a nurse, and the infant. Everyone is out of the helicopter. All four were able to escape the mangled wreckage even before emergency crews arrived. But witnesses say they could see the chopper was in trouble moments before the crash. We heard the loud noise. We looked up and we saw how low the helicopter was. According to FlightAware, the chopper first took off from Maryland around 10.30 Tuesday morning. Minutes later, it landed with no apparent problems about 20 miles away in central Pennsylvania before taking off again. It was about 40 minutes into that next flight when tracking data shows the aircraft dropping altitude. That's when authorities believe the pilot noticed a problem. What the pilot was able to do is amazing because our reports indicate that he first started to experience some trouble on Route 1 and was looking for somewhere to land. Tense moments in the sky for more than a mile before the pilot finally brought the chopper down. A spectacular landing that saved lives. Can't wait to beat this gentleman, shake yeah. his hand, forget this plane down on the helicopter the way he did. No word yet on what caused the crash, but again, NTSB investigators will be arriving this morning. We're told the baby is in stable condition and the hero pilot upgraded to fair condition. Just amazing all around, Craig. Oh, goodness, a miracle indeed, Gabe Gutierrez. Thank you for that one. All right, I think it's time to check back with Mr. Roker. We need more Al. Okay, more. Well, I'll give you more weather. You okay. don't need more me, but we've got more precipitation in the Pacific Northwest. Flooding again possible. Sunshine through the Southwest. Another weak clipper coming out of Canada. That's going to cause very little problems. We are looking at plenty of sunshine through the Gulf. Milder temperatures in the East and Northeast today. And that is your latest weather. Guys? All right, Al. Uh, thank you. Coming up, guys, in search of answers surrounding the sudden death of Bob Saget, what the star had just recently revealed about his health, and the touching new tributes from people who were at the comedian's final stand-up show. And then it was one of the worst cruise line disasters ever, the Costa Concordia running aground with thousands on board. Well, 10 years later, survivors are sharing new stories of what they experienced and the human error that added to the chaos. But first, this is Today on NBC. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel when you're hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly 
constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm delighted to have this chance through uh, Dave Garraway to uh, emphasize our great national interest in developing our hospitals, developing research. To be with the president was, of course, a very great honor for us and our program, and we feel deeply appreciative of it. Back 7.30 with a milestone on today. That happened back in 1961. The nation's brand-new president, John F. Kennedy, sitting down with Dave Garraway. Oh. Well, that was the very first time that a sitting U.S. president was interviewed on a regularly scheduled television program. And now every president has come by since then. And it's been moments like that that we're going to be celebrating on Friday. That's the day that this show turns Mm. 70 years old. Forward to that. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's get a check of your headlines. 7.30 now and an investigation underway this morning into the shooting death of a North Carolina man by an off-duty sheriff's deputy. The shooting has sparked days of protests in Fayetteville. On Saturday, police say 37-year-old Jason Walker ran into traffic, jumped onto the deputy's truck, and broke his windshield. They say Lieutenant Jeffrey Hash shot Walker and then called 911. The deputy has been placed on administrative leave and the case has been turned over to the State Bureau of Investigation. A passenger was arrested yesterday after he reportedly entered the cockpit of an American Airlines plane and damaged the aircraft. It happened while passengers were boarding. It was a flight from Honduras to Miami. The cockpit door was open when the man just stormed in. Yeah, I think you can see him right there. There he is out the plane's window. Crew members intervened, and ultimately the suspect was taken into custody. Flight was delayed for several hours so that they could find a different plane uh, to be flown and complete that trip. A Colorado woman is being called a hero this morning after rescuing three children from an icy pond. Dusty Talavera was looking out her apartment window when she saw the kids fall in. So she ran outside and pulled two of the children from Mm. the water. But as she tried to grab the six-year-old girl... The ice gave way and Talavera fell in too, thankfully. That girl's cousin came out through Talavera a rope and helped pull them both to safety. I just kind of put some shoes on and ran out. I just knew that nobody, you know, nobody was really outside. So, I mean, I was going to, it was me, you know. I just knew it was me that had to do it. What she did did was amazing. We were (laughs) back at the fire station talking about how brave she was how great great the officers did. And gosh, I hope if this happened to one of mine that somebody like her was close by. Amen to that. (sighs) That six-year-old, by the way, the girl was not breathing when she got out of the water, but deputies and paramedics were able to revive her and rush her to the hospital. This morning, that girl is back home with her family. Would you say her name one more time? Dusty. Dusty Talavera. <laughs> yes, I, I feel. Amen. What an incredible wow. young woman. 
Gosh, we've got a lot more to get to this morning, including the unanswered questions that surround the sudden death of Bob Saget as friends and fellow stars are sharing new tributes to the beloved actor and comedian. And we're also hearing from people who were there, attended the 65-year-old's final comedy show just hours before his death. NBC News Now anchor Joe Fryer has more on this. Hey, Joe, good morning. Hey there, good morning. Authorities have not released any more details about Bob Saget's death. The results of an autopsy, which was done on Monday, won't be known for some time. In fact, results could take up to 12 weeks. But this morning, we are learning more about his final performance as tributes continue to pour in. This morning, fans are searching for answers after the tragic death of beloved TV dad Bob Saget. Just days before he died, Saget joked about previously having COVID on a podcast with hosts Tom and Dan. It does not feel good. I had it. And, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I had Delta or uh, I, I might have had a combo. Maybe at one point they were working together. Saget did not say when he had COVID or discuss his symptoms, but experts say that information, along with his medical history, will be looked at by the medical examiner. There is a slight increase in risk of cardiovascular events, like a heart attack or stroke after COVID infection. I don't know the rest of his medical history, but that in and of itself could increase his risk. Saget was found dead Sunday inside an Orlando hotel room. According to the incident report, hotel security found him on his bed with no pulse. Authorities say they found no signs of foul play or drug use. His death came just hours after the seemingly healthy 65-year-old had been on stage. You guys are awesome. His final show, a two-hour-plus performance, was full of joy and energy, according to those who witnessed it. Very high energy, very happy, and he kept saying over and over, I'm just so happy to be here. This morning, his heartbroken friends and co-stars are sharing their grief and shock at his passing. Full House co-star Candace Cameron Bure called Saget the glue of their TV family, writing, you weren't just like a father, but one of my closest friends in life. His loved ones mourn. One of Saget's closest friends is remembering how Bob used to say goodbye. Touring partner Mike Young told Savannah how Bob would finish every conversation. He always ended it with, I love you. He was an I love you guy. And he was just, he was full of love, man. And he loved his job and he loved the, he loved the crowds and he loved touring and he loved what he did. Joe, uh, you talked about Bob Saget's last show. You said it was full of joy and energy, but some people who were there also felt like it was emotional. Yeah, that's right. You know, those who were at Saget's final show say he spent much of the night telling stories and joking warmly about his family and did get emotional at one point when speaking to a man in the audience who was there with his three daughters. Remember, Saget had three daughters. The iconic TV dad spent his last night on stage speaking with love and pride about his own children. Hoda. All right, Joe Fryer for us. Joe, thank you. When we come back on this Wednesday morning, an inside look at the Costa Concordia disaster 10 years later. Yeah, this morning, survivors are sharing harrowing news stories from that deadly cruise line accident and what they want the world to know one decade later, right after this. We're back 740 this morning on In-Depth Today, a milestone anniversary for one of the worst cruise ship disasters in modern history. Who could forget those incredible images 10 years after the Costa Concordia ran aground off the Italian coast? Survivors are sharing new details about the tragedy that captivated the world. NBC's Kelly Cobiea joins us this morning with their stories. Kelly, good morning. 
Guys, good morning to you. Yeah, hard to believe it's been 10 years since that disaster, but it's still very much fresh in the minds of the people who suffered through it, those lucky passengers who managed to get off the ship alive. It was supposed to be a dream cruise, sailing around the Mediterranean Sea for a week in mid-January. But 10 years ago this week, it turned into a nightmare for the over 4,000 passengers and crew on board. The liner crashing into the rocks after dark, seawater rushing in. Janice and Ian Donoff were on their honeymoon. Do you still think about that day 10 years ago? I think it's the feeling of panic. This is what's carried through over the 10 years and is just as strong now. The captain had been performing a sail past salute of Italy's Giglio Island and went too close. The ship lost all power and tilted on its side. Its terrified passengers disoriented and struggling to escape in complete darkness. The people were, were shoving and pushing. Feeling of helplessness. When I was on a ladder trying to get out, a big man literally pushed in front of me and trod on my foot. I literally fell off the ladder. Eventually, they made it out. But because the ship was tilted, the lifeboats wouldn't drop down. They and hundreds of others were stranded, perched on the side of the ship for hours in the cold, while passengers clambered down a rope ladder, the equivalent of 11 stories. Eerie video taken by divers from inside the ship, revealing the damage. The captain left the liner before all of the passengers were off. The Italian Coast Guard screaming at him to get back on board and help with the rescue. Nate and Carrie Lukes from Alaska were on board with their four daughters, trying desperately to keep the family together. When everybody was rushing for the uh, lifeboats, that I felt like they were going to get trampled and, and putting my arms around them and letting the sea of people go by us. The rush to get to the lifeboats was chaotic. It's really a, a melee there. Just it, the best way to describe it is it's very similar to the movie Titanic. People were jumping onto the top of the lifeboats and pushing down women and children to try to get to them. The accident forced changes in the industry, like carrying more life jackets and holding emergency drills before leaving port. After a 16-month salvage operation, the stricken ship was refloated and towed away to be scrapped. Today, survivors like Ian and Janice still grateful to be alive. I said that, you know, if we survive this, yeah. then our marriage will have to survive forever. The captain was eventually found guilty of manslaughter and is currently serving a 16-year prison sentence in Italy. Costa Cruises did offer compensation to all of the passengers. Craig, the survivors we spoke to say they haven't been on a cruise since. Um, Craig? That doesn't surprise me at all. Mm -hmm. Kelly Cobier for us there. Kelly, thank you. 744. Mr. Roker, you got to check the weather? Yes, we do. We've got all this climate information that just came in from 2021. And yes, there was a bad one. December 2021, the warmest December ever recorded in the U.S. And in fact, we had 193 confirmed tornadoes. That is a record. Never happened before. And 2021, the 
fourth warmest year on record, and that continues to this whole trend with our climate change. 20 events that were a billion dollars or more from the eastern severe weather, the Texas and Oklahoma severe weather, the western wildfires. In fact, the total cost $145 billion. Hurricane Ida alone, $75 billion, costliest storm ever. Costliest winter storm on record, the Texas winter outbreak, $24 billion. Milder high temperatures today in the northeast, mid-Atlantic, down to the Gulf, plenty of sunshine, a weak clipper coming across the plains, no big problems, but more rain for the Pacific Northwest. And that is your latest weather. Guys, All right, are, are, we, are we not going to acknowledge oh, oh, the... Th wait, you're right. First of all, there's a purple th theme. SG's got it on, and yes. Al has on an ensemble. Al and I talked. That is... We, wow. call, we called each other. Well, y'all are it's super beautiful. cute. It's beautiful. <laughs> I tried to get Craig to wear his purple tie. But yeah, what happened? I, well, I said no. Yeah, a little too matchy. Okay. It's a little All too right. matchy. Coming up next, guys, uh, this saga continues. Novak Djokovic speaks out amid the controversy that surrounds his attempt to take the court at the Australian Open. What he is now admitting about breaking COVID protocols while positive and the potential impact on his push to play. We are live in Melbourne right after this. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. We are back as C. Daly joins this party with some new twists in the saga that surrounds mm -hmm. Novak Djokovic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as he awaits a decision on whether he's going to be allowed to stay in Australia and play in this year's first Grand Slam, he's admitting now to mistakes after he tested positive for COVID last month. NBC's Sarah James is in Melbourne with the latest. Hi, Sarah. Morning. Hi there, Savannah. Well, tennis world number one Novak Djokovic came to Australia hoping to become the first player in the world ever to win 21 Grand Slams. But as questions swirl around his entry into the country and that positive COVID test, some down under ask if the star player double faulted before he ever played a match. Novak Djokovic is on court training in Melbourne, but there's more off court drama for the world number one. As questions swirl around his movements after testing positive for COVID last month, the tennis star now admitting to breaking isolation rules and attending an interview after finding he tested positive for COVID 19. In a long statement on Instagram, the tennis star writing that following a positive PCR test, I canceled all other events except for the L'Equipe interview, but I did ensure I socially distanced and wore a mask except when my photograph was being taken. While I went home after the interview to isolate for the required period, on reflection, this was an error of judgment. 
Also, the tennis star facing another showdown surrounding his visa to stay and compete in the Australian Open, despite a judge overturning his visa cancellation. His original paperwork had declared that he had not traveled internationally in the 14 days before coming to Australia. Djokovic now saying the paperwork was incorrect, submitted by his support team on his behalf. This was human error and certainly not deliberate. Australian media say authorities are investigating the discrepancies. Meanwhile, many tennis fans aren't too sympathetic. The hashtag Djokovic out now trending on Twitter. Fellow tennis player Andy Murray saying... We do want the, the best players there, but like I said, I think there's still a few, few questions to be answered. Though Djokovic has attempted to clear up the confusion before the tennis begins next week, the decision to allow him to stay and compete could still be overturned. The Australian Immigration Minister is continuing to review the matter, and the draw is tomorrow. Back to all of you. Sarah, thank you very much. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, whole thing's getting confusing. Yeah, at this point. I know. No, oh, no roadmap. Can't keep up. Yeah, it is hard to keep up. Savannah, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, guys, on Pop Start, we yeah. got a good one. So, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, yeah. like you've never seen them before. This is a trailer for a horror movie they're what? in. Dave's what? possessed. The band's in a haunted house. Got people talking about it. Plus, big stars Lindsey Vaughn, Padma Lakshmi, and Tom Harper all joining us live. But first, Bob Harper. Bob. Bob. Yeah. Bob. Bob. Brother Tom. <laughs> your local his brother Tom. Sorry, Bob. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 